Welcome to the Hardy Mom Podcast. My mom has tips and tricks to help you live well with health challenges. She'll even tell you how to get your kids to help out. Wait, what? Have you had people tell you, just be positive and you'll feel better? If you have a health condition, you probably have. But how are you supposed to feel better when you feel miserable or have pain or depression? What about the family needing to be fed, kids taken to activities, and the cooking and the shopping and your never-ending to-do list? Positivity can be elusive, but I'm here to help you. Not with phony positivity and a fake smile, but finding true joy, and through that, the positive attitude that will help you. I'm going to start off telling you the first three steps, and they are having a pity party, laughing every day, and making your bed. Keep listening for the details on those things, and there's going to be a bonus fourth step at the end of the episode. But I want to start off with a little story about myself and how I learned how to be positive. Are you a sports fan? Truthfully, I'm not, but I like watching my own kids play sports and my favorite one is baseball and I loved playing it with them. I love the red dirt crunching under my feet, the sunshine on my shoulders and the feel of the bat in my hands as I swing and connect with the ball. And on a spring day that just happened to be April Fool's Day in 2014, I took my kids to play baseball. My youngest two had never played before, and it felt so good to show them how to hit the ball and run the bases, and it was adorable how my 17-year-old son would pick up my two-year-old son, help him hit, and run him around. We had so much fun that day. But that night, I started having a hard time breathing. It got so bad, my husband had to drive me to the emergency room. We lived out in the country at that time, right on the border of Portland, Tennessee, and Kentucky, and there was no hospital out there. Calling 911 was pointless unless I wanted to wait an hour and then be taken to a less than great hospital. So we loaded up and my husband drove me. I've never seen him so scared in his life, or I've never seen him drive so fast either. I'd been misdiagnosed with a rare disease called myasthenia gravis. It turns out that I actually do have myasthenia gravis, but my problem wasn't caused by that at that night. They didn't realize or pay attention to the fact that my muscles had been atrophying. That's a long story from another day, and we'll talk about it later. But they did know that my muscles were going away, but decided to focus instead on the fact that one of my eyes was droopy. And so instead of going with the main idea that I am losing my muscles and my diaphragm wasn't working, they decided to focus on my eye. And I was given high doses of prednisone to try to control that myasthenia. Unfortunately, that prednisone had turned me into the Incredible Hulk. I did things I've never done before on that medicine. It was bad. I broke furniture. I broke a toilet seat because I slammed it so hard. And as you can imagine, I wasn't very nice to anyone around me either. I wasn't myself at all. So to counteract that, they gave me a muscle relaxer. Now, remember before when I said my muscles were atrophying? Well, if they'd paid attention to that, they would have realized that by giving me a muscle relaxer, they were potentially giving me a death sentence. See, 
At this point today, my diaphragm, the muzzle that moves so that I can breathe, works at 20%. We don't know how well it was working back then, but it wasn't over 50%. So when I took a muscle relaxer, it relaxed all my muscles and my diaphragm so much that I couldn't breathe. The running from that beautiful and fun softball game ended up sending me to the ICU. And that started the first of my five week-long stays in the hospital. As you can imagine, being almost an hour away from my family with so many kids at home was devastating. At that time, I had a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and five teenagers. One of them was deployed in the Navy, which is stress in itself. My husband had to go back to work and leave all those kids to have them live like Lord of the Flies with us both gone. I was afraid of what would happen to them, and I was afraid of what would happen to me, and I was afraid I was going to die. And as I laid there, I just wanted to know how I could be the person I wanted to be, and the mom I wanted to be, and the wife I wanted to be, while I was so sick. But what do you do when you're stuck in bed and can't get up? What do you do when you're stuck in the hospital and can't get home? When your eyes are so tired, so blurry, and your double vision is so bad that you can't read? My arms were so tired and weak, I couldn't even hold my computer in my hospital bed to be able to do anything at all. Can you picture yourself doing absolutely nothing for a week? Sure, it sounds great, right? But after the first day, you've got to do something. I couldn't just sit there and do nothing. So I got a tablet. I could hold it because it was light. I changed the size of the writing so that five lines were on the screen and filled it, and they were big enough for me to see and I could read books that way and do research. I researched ways that I could be a parent when I couldn't get out of the hospital, for ways to live when I got home and wouldn't be able to get out of bed. When I got sent home, I spent four months in bed. I spent another four separate weeks in the hospital that year. I couldn't go anywhere without a wheelchair during that time. I couldn't take a shower without sitting on the shower chair. My muscles were done. But during that time, my family responsibilities didn't go away. I was the only parent at home 10 hours a day. I had three teens to homeschool and two and four-year-olds to look after. We were still learning how to deal with the autism that just had been diagnosed in my four-year-old. This was no time to sit back and give up. But I couldn't find information about how to be a parent when you can't get out of bed, about how to live a full life from the couch. It didn't exist out there. Sure, there was blogs and forums for people who were sick. But the ones I found, people were just complaining about their sicknesses. They complained about their husbands and they complained about their children. And I get it. It's hard. It's very hard. But complaining doesn't parent my children. It doesn't do the laundry and it certainly doesn't pay the bills. So what was I supposed to do? I needed someone to tell me how to be positive, but they didn't. So I needed to figure out. And now I'm sharing it with you. First, you need a good old-fashioned pity party. This may sound counterproductive. If you're trying to be positive, why are you going to focus on the negative things? Well, I'll tell you, because in our culture, they tell you, just suck it up and get over it, right? Just stop complaining, just ignore it, whatever all the lies are that you're told. Those aren't going to help you because you have all these negative things in your head and they need a voice so that they can get out of your head and be gone. So what I recommend is setting a timer for five minutes. 
Go somewhere where you're by yourself, where no one can hear you. If everyone is around you and you have a small place, go into the bathroom and bring a pillow to talk into. You can scream and cry and yell and whine. Oh, please whine. Get all that whining out. Whine like you're a three-year-old. Whine about all those things that have been festering for so long, that are driving you crazy, that make you just want to scream. Get it out. Scream. And when the timer beeps, you have two choices. You can set it again and keep going, or you can take a few deep breaths and realize you've let those things out. They're not captive in your mind anymore. They're out. Sometimes just releasing them helps. Sometimes hearing ourselves see the things that are really bothering us will lead us to the solutions to those problems. At first, you might want to have a pity party every day. Then maybe every week or every month. Sometimes your pity party might be 10 minutes long or 15 minutes long. Sometimes one minute will do. I'll be honest, when my kids are having a really rough day, I'll set a timer for one minute and we all moan and groan and whine and get it all out. And then it's over. And you'll be surprised how good everyone feels. Now, my second thing is laughing. You have got to laugh. Now, you may be looking around at a messy house. Maybe you don't have enough money for food or medical care. Or maybe you're sick and nobody can figure out why. And you're going to think, how in the world am I supposed to laugh? I can't laugh. This situation is not funny. But you need to laugh. People need to laugh. You need to, when you laugh, you release endorphins that actually make you happy. So find something that will help you laugh. Okay, so you can get some joke books. I think it's hysterical when little kids tell jokes, especially ones that they've made up that really aren't funny, but watching them tell them make you laugh because they're trying so hard and then they start laughing and their laughing is contagious. You can turn off the news and start watching something funny instead of that because the news is really never going to make you laugh. My personal favorite is a place called Dry Bar. There's an app for it and they have it on YouTube. And the cool thing about Dry Bar is we're really careful with what we let our kids listen to and stuff. And we try to keep swearing out of the house. So Dry Bar is this great thing. It's an actual club that's located. It's an actual club that's located in Salt Lake City, Utah. And because of the high Mormon population, they don't like talking about alcohol or smoking or drugs or any of that stuff. And they're not allowed to swear. So it's fantastic. You hear these stand-up comedians that are funny and amazing, and it's safe to listen to in front of your family. You can play it in the car. You can watch them on your tablet or your computer or your TV or wherever you like to watch things. And I guarantee you will laugh. There was a rough patch that I went through. Well, honestly, for about two years. Um, in the recent past where things, I was really struggling and I listened to Dry Bar every single day because I la- it made me laugh every single day. And so if there weren't things in my life that were making me happy and I was really struggling with getting to a positive place, it would help me get there. And so I highly recommend that. So the third step is making your bed. Now, you may think that that's 
really silly. I don't know. Maybe you already make your bed and then you can skip the next minute. But what's the biggest thing in your room? I'm guessing it's your bed because I don't know what else it could be unless maybe you parked your car in there, but I'm seriously doubting that. So let's say the biggest thing in your room is your bed. And if you make that bed, if then the biggest thing in your room looks nice. And then when you open the door and walk into your room, you're going to notice that nice thing. But if you don't make it, then at the end of the day, you're going to walk into your room and the whole thing looks like a mess. And that's not a good way to end your day, is it? No, it is not. You might say it doesn't matter to you. You might say you don't care because you're just going to get into it anyway and mess it up. But the fact is that walking into that room that looks nice is going to make you feel better. A room that's a total destructive mess makes us stressed, unless you're Oscar the Grouch. These are facts. You want to be positive. And in a world that sometimes feels like it's spinning out of control, making your bed is a positive, doable thing for everyone. Give yourself the gift of something nice at the end of the day. Here's a fun fact. When I was so sick that I was in a wheelchair and couldn't get out of bed by myself, I would make my bed around me every morning. True story. I'd sit up, I'd neaten the sheets and the blanket and the comforter so that when I got up to go to the bathroom and came back, it was nice. Does that sound dumb or a waste of energy? It was not. Because even during my sickest time, I was doing something positive. I was doing something for me. I was being a productive person, if only in one small thing. And when it feels like your world is going to heck in a handbasket, you've got to take all the positive things that you can. They can be huge or they can be small. They can be as tiny as making that bed, but you can make a difference in the world today by doing that. And speaking of the world going to heck in a handbasket, here is my fourth way to be positive. Well, it's my final way today. I'm actually writing a book on how to be positive, and it's going to have the meaning of life in it. So stay tuned and subscribe to the podcast so you hear when it comes out. There's some surprises in there that I think you're really going to like. But let's go on to the fourth step in being positive. It's God. Because if he's with you, who can be against you? The world is a crazy place right now. There's stress and chaos. And it honestly doesn't look like there's much end in sight. But if you've read your Bible, you know who wins in the end. Make sure you have a relationship with him. Pray. Go to church. Surround yourself with godly people. And if you're surrounded by hypocritical, fake godly people, or if that's been your experience in the past and it's turned you off to church, I recommend going to a new church. Go to a couple. Find the one that suits your personality, where they are truly worshiping God, and where you can focus on God instead of the people. Because if they're distracting you and something feels off, that's not where you should be. Today is the day to start or rekindle that relationship, or if you have it now, to grow it. Is God calling you? So those are my four steps today to being positive. I hope this has helped you. I know that it helps me every single day. Every single day we do these things in our home and we are staying positive even in the midst of illness and chaos and the craziness that's happening out there. It's my goal to make the world a better place. 
And if I can help you feel positive today, then I've done my job. Please feel free to reach out to me, contact at hardymom.com, because I would really love to hear from you. And if you don't have anyone to talk to or anyone to tell you that you're a great person and that you're loved, send me an email and I'll let you know because you're a great person and you're loved. Have a blessed day. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Your health challenged, girl, I get it. Feeling anxious, depressed, don't you sweat it. You felt alone with no one to go to. Finally, someone is here who gets you. So premenopausal or postpartum, all stages of womanhood, girl, we've got them. I've been there, I've done that too with the Hardy Mom Podcast. Yeah, I'm here for you. Tips and tricks here that will help you. There's advice from experts and in interviews. Find time to be with your kids and family. I can help you get it done easily. So premenopausal or postpartum, all stages of womanhood, girl, we've got them. I've been there, I've done that too, with a hearty mom podcast, yeah, I'm here for you.